I invited our next guest to be on the show because a friend of mine had said she talked to her, she met her through uh, mom's group she's in and said, you would love her. You would just have the best conversation with her. I couldn't stop talking to her. She gave me so much good advice. I feel like everyone needs to hear from her about what our kids are growing up in, what kind of generation is coming to people like her to talk to them in a therapy counselor setting and we need to know what our children are up against in today's world and so I invited Abby to be on our show and this conversation is amazing. I know you all are going to love it. No matter what age your children are, if they have hit the preteen, teen age, or they're still young and you're anticipating what's to come, you're going to walk away with so much wisdom here, so many things that you can really fit into your day and just add and change and delete and enhance in your family. I just know you're going to love this episode. It was so good that we didn't even get through our interview in one recording. So Abby had to come back on with me, which was awesome. She came back a week later. We recorded again in the middle of our busy summers with our kiddos home and work and everything. And I am so grateful that she would do that. So this episode comes to you as part one and part two will be next Tuesday. So definitely tune back into that to get the second half. Abby Schopper is a licensed professional clinical counselor and school counselor who has been working in the mental health field for 10 years. She has extensive experience working with all age ranges. However, her favorite people to work with are adolescents and teens. Abby is most passionate about working with clients who struggle with anxiety, depression, personal relationships, self-esteem, and trauma. She currently runs her own private practice, Brightside Counseling, but also has experience working in outpatient treatment programs, foster care, public schools, and pediatric health care. Abby and her husband, Jared, live in the northern Kentucky area with their three amazing children and their daughter's pet turtle, Mr. Rainbow. If you are listening outside of the northern Kentucky area and you know that you cannot meet her in person, listen to the end because she will give you a great way to still be able to reach out to her. You may want to grab a pen and paper. Abby gives a lot of good advice here and good phrases that she uses that you might want to go back to. I will also have all of it in the show notes at togethermoments.com slash podcast. Enjoy this episode. It is an incredible one. Come along, friend. Let's grow. You know those days where you just feel so overwhelmed and tired from all the busy and you just want to multiply the time you do have to create more time for intentional words and family dinners and quality time together? And do you just need to know that you really can keep your family close and your faith strong in today's world? Welcome to Families That Stick Together. Just step right over the random pile of clothes, turn right past the paper still out from last week's school project, maybe don't look at the sink, and make yourself at home, friend. I'm your host, Jennifer. 
wife to my high school sweetheart, mom of four, and creator of Together Moments, where we took our same worries and figured out the answer to slowing down, keeping family time a priority, and creating deep connection through solid communication, even among all the busy. The answer is to gather moments, and we want to come alongside your family as you lay your foundation. If you're ready for time to slow down, intentional moments to overflow, and all of this to feel easy in your real life, then welcome, friend. With your laundry, your running shoes, or your cup of coffee, I can't wait to spend my time with you. And now my mom, he taught me to say, I'm brave, I'm strong, I can do all things through Christ. Jennifer Zambia! I love <laughs> you, you are the best, you are the best mommy in the world. You, Jennifer Zambia, the best mommy in the world. Jennifer Zambia! Love you, baby. Welcome, Abby, to Families That Stick Together podcast. I was first introduced to you, not in person, but by a friend who heard you speak at another event. And I am just, I'm so excited to share you with our audience. I knew when she told me, I was like, oh, I have to have her on the podcast for sure, because you work with teens on a regular basis. And I want you sharing all your wisdom with us parents, whether we have teens right now or not to prepare us for what's ahead. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I am so excited. I This is definitely my population I love to work with the most. Um, life is never boring working with teenagers, as I'm sure you know, for the, parent, the parents that do have teenagers, life is never boring. Yeah. Right now, yes, I have two teenagers in my home, two teenage girls, and I worked with high school kids for eight years. So so much fun, definitely. I, I know you love working with them. You love working with adolescents and teens, and you focus on helping your clients work through self-esteem and anxiety, depression, and so much more. And like I just said, we are definitely similar in having a heart for this age group. I would love to hear what lights you up about working with teens and preteens, because it's definitely not a segment of the population many people want to go to, not in a bad way, but they just don't feel the desire. So tell us what lights you up about them. I feel like teens are challenging, teens and preteens, they can be challenging. And I think that's part of the reason why, you know, it's not maybe the number one go-to of who you want to work with. Kind of like I said, they're never boring. When I'm working with teens, I feel like I'm constantly entertained. They are always having something to bring to the table, whether it's daily drama, or maybe it's just there's something they're really excited about that they want to share, you know, and they're at such a critical time in their life. I feel like preteens and teens are really looking for people to latch on to, whether that's somebody they see as a mentor or somebody that they really just want that close connection with. And I think teens can be really hard because that brain development's not all the way there. You know, they're still in that under construction stage. And um, that's part of the reason why I love it. You know, it's like, as adults, our brains are fully developed and we're supposed to be not under construction anymore. But I find myself even at my age, like, I'm like, man, I'm totally having an under construction moment, <laughs> you know? So I feel like sometimes I can relate and just, I think back in my life and I always thought, man, life can be a little tricky at that time. And I wish I would have had somebody to really talk to about you know, what's going on in my head and how do I process it? And oh, like, that's totally normal. And of course you have your parents who are telling you all these things, but at that age, you're like, uh-uh, I don't, I don't, 
I don't believe you. You just, you know, you, you lived like a hundred years ago. Life has changed. And, um, but now I look back and I'm like, no, they actually knew what they were talking about. So I, I love that, you know, teens, that prefrontal cortex is totally just not there. That's all the problem solving, all the planning, all the structure, all the things that we really want to see develop, but it just doesn't happen. So they're totally living in that all emotional zone. And it's probably my favorite stage because it's very raw. It's very real. And I really like a challenge. And I'm like, I want to teach you my best possible tricks to help you regulate it. I'm not going to magically make it develop faster, but maybe I can help you be more self-aware and learn that regulation so that you can go on to have really healthy relationships, whether that's friendships or romantic relationships or just family relationships kind of growing up and as you become an adult. And I I think for the child who does feel like every part of their life is maybe beating them down, whether that's true or not. And they come to someone like you, they, they feel that immediately that you love them and you want to help them and give them their best possible trick. So that's, that's so great. And I think when you know, you're called someone, a certain demographic or whatever, you know, God uses your talents right there to shine so brightly because that is where you're called to be. So thank you for doing that for our teens, especially in our community, because you live in my local community. Abby, this is one thing that I wanted, I really wanted you to talk about. We have all heard statistics of high rates of anxiety and depression in teens today. And as a mom raising them in today's world, I have my own assumptions as to what is causing this, but I'd love to hear your experience with understanding more about the root causes of all this? What, what do we need to know? You know, I feel like there's a couple of different things that um, kind of play into this. You know, one of the biggest things that I think that we have been um, talking about more and more, which I'm really glad uh, about, is just social media and the influence of social media and what that does to teens. You know, even as an adult, I think social media is really hard to regulate. So when I'm talking about that brain development in teenagers, they don't have the capacity that even an adult does. And if I'm an adult saying, man, social media is kind of hard to regulate. I can't imagine what it's like in their brain. I even think back to like when I was in that stage and I I could not even imagine having all the access that they have now. But one of the biggest things I think that plays into it in regards to social media a little bit more specifically is the distortion of what is actually posted on social media. I think we forget that when people are posting, they're posting the best of the best. They're posting things that they want people to see. They're not posting the boring day in and day out of life. Um, They're posting the most glamorous. And then not only are they posting that, we have all these fun filters, right? So we forget what even people look like. You know, I'll talk to teens, especially girls. I think they're very self-conscious and self-aware of what, what they look like, what they present as, you know, they see these people on social media, whether it's people that they know or people that they don't know. And they think, wow, they're just so beautiful. They have this and this and this and this. And it's like, well, we have so many filters. Do we even know what a real person looks like anymore sometimes, you know? And, and even adults, you know, we, we love the filters. They're fun. And, oh, take away those wrinkles. How do I look glowing? You know, it's everybody loves it. But what do real people actually even look like? So I think that distortion is huge and a big impact on self-esteem and 
how we see ourselves. And, and because of social media, because of screens, because of all the technology and what kids and teens and even adults are engaged in, I think we get so disconnected from what actually really matters in life. I think when I ask kids like, hey, can you do a screen time report for me? That's like one of the things that we kind of talk about in session sometimes. And these screen time just on their phone, just on their phone. I mean, it can be eight plus hours a day. And I'm like, what are you doing with your life for eight plus hours a day on your phone, you know? And that, that's just a phone. I can't imagine what, what, what would it be like if I added in the computer? What would it be like if I added in the TV? And I think it's so easy to get lost. Um, so I just find that kids, teens, adults even, are looking for that happiness outside of themselves when actually it's, we're looking in all the wrong places. We should be looking inside of us. But I feel like social media really, you know, advertises to like look on this outside. Um, and so I think they forget that. And then so naturally you're going to have this increase in depression, increase in all this anxiety of like, Oh, what do I do? How do I look like this? What if this, what if that? Um, and we get lost. We don't know how to kind of get back on track. And I think that leads to even just, you know, kids choosing these unhealthy coping strategies and, um, you know, maybe just not even choosing any at all. Um, and I think if we could kind of get back to that focus of what, what does truly matter? How do we connect? How do we find that within ourselves? that maybe we could see a change in the rates of anxiety, see the change in the rates of depression. And, you know, when I talk about these things, I feel like people come to me and they're expecting these magical answers, right? Like, it's like, I have the word of God right here and I'm going to give it to you and you're going to change your life. But it, it's not that. It's really simple. It's very, very simple concepts that I think that we've lost focus of. It's, you know, like connecting with nature, connecting with your family, exercise, practicing gratitude on a daily basis, taking time to relax. What does it even mean to relax? And connecting, like whether you want to connect with your faith, whether you want to connect with people, whether you want to connect with family, or maybe it's even all of the above. And how do we even connect? For teens, I definitely bring up prayer a lot of times and they're kind of in that stage of, you know, what does that mean to me? what do I want it to mean to me? I'm in this exploratory stage. I don't know what it means to me. Or you're just an adult kind of talking about God again. But I do think prayer, prayer is a, a lot of what helps people connect. And it's all about how do you find it? And what does that mean to you? And it can be really, really simple. You know, prayers don't have to mean um, something really intense, doesn't have to mean something really ground, ground shaking, earth shattering. It could be something very simple. And I think it kind of all weaves in. So if we could find some of that, I think it would lower those rates of anxiety and depression. So that's what I try to like preach <laughs> in my, whenever you come to see me, it's like, how do we get back to these simplicities in life? And how can I help you find them? I'm not going to tell you something that's like going to be this massive cure, but if I can get you back to these simplistic concepts and nurture those, how can that change you? This was all so good. I wrote so many things that I wanted to follow back with you on because you just gave us so much good information. By the way, do you meet mostly with girls? I do. I feel like a lot, and even in my adult population. So I'm kind of like, I see kids, I would say from like six plus. Um, and I would say that just in my caseload, whether that's a six-year-old, whether that's a six-year-old, most of them are women. I do have a few men. 
and, and boys and teens. Um, but majority of my population female. Do you think that's across the board or is that because you're a girl and girls like to go talk to girls and maybe the boys are going to talk to guys or is that, is that pretty, um, consistent in your industry? I feel like it's pretty consistent within the industry. Um, you know, that's kind of me talking off the cuff and me talking from what I know in my realm. But I would say in general, I think females are more likely to seek it out. I do think you have that component of I'm a female. So, you know, I think females want to talk to females. Males want to talk to males a lot of times. But I do find a lot of males that reach out. What is interesting in my field is that I think you have a lot more parents and families that reach out for teens, um, preteens, for males regarding behavior. It's more so let's talk about the behavior that's happening. How do we change the behavior? But a lot of times the root cause of the behavior is mood. But that's usually like the initial thing. Whereas like females, I think they're reaching out and, you know, my daughter's struggling with this. We're having this mood. We're really struggling with some depressive thoughts. We've got some anxiety going on. So there's really a difference whenever that initial contact is made. I think it's changing. We're, we're in that process of it changing where it's more uh, mood identified for males, but still predominantly they are seeking a lot of times because of behavior or choices that they've made, things like that. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So I was just curious because um, I've heard you mention just girls and so I wanted to ask you about that. But here, this was my other question about social media. Okay, you were talking about the girls regulating their behavior. And you had mentioned in the beginning, the different brain development and all that. So do, when you start talking to them about social media, and I'm, I'm guessing you uncover that pretty quickly and go to that because you know that can be a root cause. Do the girls recognize this is a problem? Are, are these teens today, do they recognize this is a problem? And do they see that it leads them down this path or can they just not even recognize that? I feel like a good portion of them can't even recognize it. Um, this is one of the things that it, like how you said, I really hit early on. A lot of times it's in my initial session with people, you know, I'm asking about basics, you know, um, what does exercise look like for you? What does nutrition look like? What does sleep look like? And then I'm like, what does screen time look like? So I really talk about it early on. And, and if I know, hey, I feel like this could be an issue, it's one of the first couple things I address. But I, you know, I think there's some, some kids that recognize, oh, hey, I'm on my phone. Maybe it's because their parents have been dogging them and nagging them. And it's like, okay, I know th this is, this probably is an issue, but do I want to address it? No. And, but then I think a lot of them are like, no, this is not an issue. I mean, this is like what you all old people talk about, but this is, you know, this is my life. You know, if I, as a lot of times I'll give people challenges, Hey, can we cut down screen time to two hours a day, three hours a day, depending on where we're starting? Um, could you totally cut it out for a certain portion of your day? You know, from 12 to two, you're not going to engage with social media from two to four, whatever it is. And sometimes the responses I get, I would say most times they'd be like, Oh my gosh, absolutely not. Like, this is my life. Like, this is how people communicate with me. This is how people talk to me. What am I going to do? You know, a lot of times people don't even know what they like outside of what is on a phone or what's on a screen. They forget about these hobbies. And so it's really interesting, but 
you know, I find a lot of people, they don't really understand it. And the people that actually will go through with my challenges or, or will listen to me about screen time, they will come back and say, like, I had no idea it had that big of an impact on me. And sometimes just cutting out that or, or regulating it a little bit more fixes it. It's just that it's as simple as that. It's amazing how heavily that is linked to our mental health. Okay. This is so interesting because you said, um, in our minds as parents, we think, oh, they should see that this would be a problem. But you said a phrase that I think we probably can't even understand and we, it would make us angry, but it goes back to them. Just their, their development is they say, no, this is my life. Like that outweighs anything negative. I don't see anything negative with it because this is how I communicate. This is what I see. And this reminds me of a conversation I had with a girl who was in high school one time and she said, oh, we're so jealous of our friends who, I have one friend who doesn't have social media and I'm so jealous of her because she's not attached to it. And she doesn't have to get on here all the time. And I said, well, can't you give yours up? Like, why don't you just stop doing it? And she said, I, I can't, I'm too deep in. That's the only thing I do. I, I want to be able to talk to so many people. And it was just so sad because she recognized it, that it was so beneficial to her other friend, but yet she couldn't let go. And our oldest is 15 and she just turned 15 this week and we still won't let her have social media. I'm not doing it. And she doesn't really give us pushback. She's got a nice group of friends who include her in everything. They don't leave her out because she doesn't have social media. And it's just, gosh, I, I'm so, I'm thankful that we didn't go down that. I don't, I'm not like saying we're perfect or anything. We were in a situation where we just kind of kept saying, no, our kids weren't asking. Um, it didn't matter to them and we've held off. And the whole thing of what you just said, just, I think should make anyone with younger kids who don't, who haven't crossed the road to even have to say yes to that. Just keep holding on because the, these kids, it just rules their life. It sounds like, like that. And, and not always in a bad way, because I know some people can probably regulate it or their parents set limits on it, but that that's what they create to be. I don't know how to say it. Like that's how they run all their plans and have all their communication. And so that is what they depend on for that communication where if you don't allow it, they have to communicate in different ways and they have to step out in nature and find things to do and do their own personal connection with friends and family and figure out different ways to do it. You are absolutely right. I mean, that is to a T and I really find that it's like the boundaries that you set. So even if you are a family, it's like you allow the social media. I think it's these boundary lines are so fuzzy. I don't know what happens. I'm not there yet. You know, with my kids, it's like so much easier for me to talk as a professional than it is for me as a parent. Sometimes it's like, gosh, I really hope I can use <laughs> what I practice, what I preach whenever I get to that age. But, you know, I talk to these parents and I don't know what happens, but it's like, suddenly it's, these kids have so much freedom and the boundaries are so blurred and 
kids don't know back to that brain development. It's like, they don't know that at a certain time, okay, maybe I should disengage. Maybe I should put my phone down or what is even social etiquette anymore? You know, is it appropriate to text and call people when you're a preteen at 11 o'clock at night? Is that an appropriate time to kind of have those conversations? You know, but I go back to like, would I call somebody's home phone way back in the day at 11 o'clock at night and have their parents answer? Absolutely not. So, but those boundaries get so blurred and Maybe parents give in because it's just like, oh my gosh, you are incessant. I, I cannot take you asking me anymore. You're going to do it anyway. You lied to me. You sneak it. I, I don't know, whatever it is, but the boundaries do get blurred. And I think it is hard because kids become so enmeshed and so engrossed and it's constant. Kids sleep with their phones. Kids have them in their room. Uh, they don't have this disconnect time or, or if they do, maybe it's late. Maybe it's right before they go to bed and you know, you have those kids that, can't even fall asleep without having their phone right beside them. So I, I feel what you're saying so much. I feel like that's a big impact in our world. So I'm, I'm right there with you. If you can hold off for as long as you can, it's great. And, and hopefully it will pay off in the long run. And it's good to, it's good to be the, the weird kid sometimes without having it. I think people enjoy life a little bit more. So I, I back you hundred percent in that. And you know, it's, it's definitely not easy to set that up and set those boundaries, which you said, I want to get back to what you said there. But one thing that makes it so much easier, which is what this Families That Stick Together podcast is about and what our Facebook group is about, is building a community around people that are like-minded, that want to raise their family the same way as you. And not to be like, that's not implying you are being perfect at anything. It's that you have someone cheering you on in what you know you want. And when you mess up, you have tools to get back up and do it again. And if something doesn't work for you and your family completely that way. You have people to get ideas from and you tweak it to make it work for you. So if you do want to allow a little social media, you know what you're up against and you know how to set those boundaries from the very beginning. But one thing that really helps us is I have friends who have decided to do the same thing for their kids that are the same age as my daughter's. So that really helps because she's not completely alone. Although the overwhelming majority, almost every single person has social media. She has some friends who do not. So they're in the same boat. And so that helps. So my advice is just build up those friendships with your mom friends right now where you're, you can kind of make this pact to do it together with your friends along the way so that you know your child has at least one buddy going through the same thing. But the, the phrase you said, Abby, the boundaries are so blurred. And whose fault is that? I mean, is it ours as parents? Is it the culture we're raising the kids in? Is it our, our kids pushing back? Is it what they're surrounded with their friends? I don't know. But there's so many different factors playing into why, why are the boundaries blurred and who is in charge of defining those? And I think it's a real question we need to ask ourselves as parents raising our kids in 2022 with all these challenges, knowing that there are very high rates of anxiety and depression. And what are you going to do? What, like, we all need to take a hard look at every boundary we place within our families and for our children and 
you know, not care about being the cool parent or making our kids the cool kids or just know what your boundaries need to be and what you want to be and, and hold true to those. I, you are spot on with that. I do feel like it's like a parent, what I feel like what I see, I think that parents, um, have this guilt sometimes, like if they don't allow their kids to have certain things, they might, their kids might be ostracized or they might be left out. And, and what is it? Is it the guilt that drives it? Is it just feeling like you have to give in? Is it feeling, you know, that you're alone or that they're going to be weird? And, you know, here we are in 2022 trying to embrace a culture where weird is okay. But in regards to social media, it's not like, it's like, that's, that's not the norm. So it's interesting, but I am right there with you. And those boundaries, I love that you said, find, find your group. That's going to cheer you on. It's one of the most important things you can do. Find those like-minded people that are going to be you know, right there to like pick you up whenever you do make a mistake or cheer you on when you're doing it. And they're like, yes, I love this. We're going to adopt this in our family too. And I think it makes you feel like, okay, I'm not alone in this. You know, there's other people that feel this way. And I've had many conversations just in my own personal life of, you know, I'm in a different realm with my kids and we do screen time very, very limited, limitedly in our family one day a week for movie night. And so I feel like I'm, I'm kind of very different and my, you know, my oldest is getting into kindergarten, going into first grade. And there's things that he's now been exposed to that he'll come home and ask me. And I'm like, oh, this is weird. This is a new dynamic to this conversation. So I think it's like finding your people. And I'm in the stage of trying to navigate that. But I think that continues through all aspects of life, whether you're talking grade school, elementary school, middle school, high school, early adulthood, it's just, it's challenging. So that's a great piece of advice. And I will also say, you know, what works for one child doesn't always work for the other child. So I, I think that as parents, we, the boundaries are a little different for different reasons in different seasons of life and why they may need something that you were kind of against with one child, why it might be good for another child, you know? Um, so I think we all, as parents, know what's best for our family, of course, but to make those decisions really without being pressured to do what everyone else is doing. And we all know that those kinds of situations, but okay, this is something I really love to hear when I talk to guests. If you could tell the mom listening today what she really needs to know about and be aware of concerning the dangers waiting to devour our children. And that sounds harsh, but I, I really see that in our society today. Without sharing any confidential, anything confidential, of course, what do you want to say to her? I love this question. And I specifically picked up on the devour piece. I was like, ooh, this is intense. Um, you know, and it made me really kind of think about how I want to respond, but it kind of goes back to what I was saying earlier is that just, it's a, just a very simple concept. I think as parents, what I would want to preach and what I would want to continually encourage is just more time in time in as a parent time in as a family, you know, we get so caught up in life, so caught up in the day to day, whether it's sports, school, friends, work, yada, yada, whatever, whatever it is, we lose sight of what's most important. And, you know, I think too, as teens, as, as you're raising a teen, as you're raising a preteen, 
you think, oh man, they don't want to spend as much time with me. Maybe they want their alone time and they absolutely do. I mean, that's normal. That's, that's part of them becoming their own little person and then making their own path. But it's easy for us to take that step back and almost seem disengaged. So I love to just try to encourage as much time in as you can. You know, and I, I love this quote. I've heard it so many times, but I try to live it in, in my own life. But the most important work you will ever do are within the walls of your own home. And I feel like if that sums that, that answer up so much. You know, just focusing on what is the most important thing. And when kids see you do that, when they see you like nurture that thought of putting that time in, putting them first, putting your family first, you're modeling that behavior. So not only do they see it, but they're like, oh, I could truly do that. You know, it, it's so different when, when we set these boundaries or when we set these rules and we don't follow them as parents. It's like, oh, how do we expect our kids to do it if we can't even model the appropriate behavior? So I think when we're doing that as parents, kids are more likely to repeat the behavior and, and do it for themselves and, and create that within their own world as they grow up and they get older and they have families of their own. And when I think about this question too, about devouring our children, it definitely goes back to that boundary conversation that we just talked about. Even when it's an unpopular choice to do something, you have to do it. You have to, you have to make that right choice. And kids will see that and they'll say, okay, like I, I can recall when my mom or dad did this and this is the outcome. And I, I want to grow to be that person. I want to have those same qualities. They re respect that. They want that within themselves. I truly feel like kids want to be good people. And so when they are surrounded by adults that show them that, whether it's their parents, whether it's their support system, whether it's school, whichever they are more likely to nurture those same qualities. So more time in, more family time, whatever that means for you and whatever that means for your family. Families look so different. And so whatever that is, whether it's your, whether it's your family unit, just one or two people, maybe it's 10 people, but nurturing that and giving those people the appropriate amount of time when you're not distracted. I love how you said the phrase more time in. That's so simple. It's just what we need to do. So I have a question for you. Working with teens and preteens for so long, tell us how valuable even the shortest amount of time is in is. When you talk to these children, how excited are they just to have any little piece of their parents' time and their family time together? What kind of impact does that make? I think it makes a pretty significant impact. Now, teens and preteens are not going to be the people that just outright say, oh my gosh, I so loved this time with you. You're more so going to get a response like, Ugh, oh my gosh, really? Do I have to do that? But I really feel like deep down, it means so much because when I'm talking to boys, girls, whoever it is, a lot of times the root causes, they want more attention. And the way that we seek attention as humans, it, it's so varied, but a lot of times it's in negative ways. So if we're nurturing that time, if we're giving that time in, we're going to see as parents, probably better, better behavior, better decision-making, better better outcomes. And kids really value it. You know, it, it goes back to that social acceptance piece. Like kids are not just going to promote like, Oh, I love time with my mommy and daddy. Uh, but they, they speak about this and they remember it. So I think that that's one of the biggest things, you know, just putting that time in. And I think it makes a big difference. 
Wasn't that interview with Abby just so, so good? I sat here and edited it and just fell in love with her all over again. I heard so many things that I didn't really pick up on the first time or like didn't, uh, you know, really focus in on. And I, I feel like I could go ahead and interview her on so many of those little pieces and break this into like five more interviews. So I hope that we will definitely be able to have her on here again. And join us next Tuesday for part two of this, where Abby will share with us three warning signs we should look out for to help us understand and identify if our children may be struggling with anxiety or depression. She'll also talk to us about how to help our children get past negative beliefs and get rid of those and we just have a really good conversation mom to mom I hope that you will join us and of course on Thursday this week in between part one and part two there will be another Together Armor episode. I love that Abby was talking about so much time in. You know that that is so near and dear to the mission of Together Moments. We know that busy families in today's world find it very difficult to have all this time in. And how do you do it? And how do you make it feel exciting and natural and just really meaningful really quickly? I want to hand you the easiest way to do that. And the Family Connection Framework is so good at doing that and helping you to really focus in on what your goals are for your family and just step back and evaluate what are our values? What are we fighting for? Why are we even raising the family this way? Why are we doing that? Why do I care so much? And you focus in on that and then you set a plan that works, that will work for your family in your life that you're already living. And it's so awesome because you can be your family standing up for your values in the world you're living in and feel like you have a plan when you can look out there sometimes and think, what the heck is going to happen next? What's going to rock our family? You know what? It's nothing because you're going to be so strong. You're going to have this foundation, this framework that keeps that connection strong, which is ultimately going to hold your family strong with everything else you build around it, your faith, your values, your morals, your goals, what you're dedicated to and what you are committed to. Check that out at familyconnectionframework.com. Reach out to me if you have any questions at all about that. If you want to know more about what that entails and why it will just be such a gift for your family like it has been for my own. Thanks for spending your time with me right now. I know that you could be doing a million other things and hopefully I was sitting with you while you were able to do some other things. I will see you back here in two days for Together Armor and then of course next week for part two with Abby.
If you love what you're gathering through these episodes, please screenshot, tag us, share with friends, and leave a review. It is the best compliment you can give us. It is so encouraging, and together we can help grow stronger families. Be sure to follow us at Together Moments on Instagram and Facebook. Leave us a DM. Check out all our incredible games and tools and your free family resources at togethermoments.com. As always, take time to gather, together to grow, and speak the words that matter.